In Scotland, when friends get together, they blether. When these three friends happen to be Scottish Blue Badge tourist guides, you can be sure that the country that they're so passionate about will be right at the heart of their discussions, be it contemporary or historical, culinary or cultural, reminiscence or anecdote. From accommodation to zoos, the chat will range right across the entire alphabet of topics and issues that are live and happening in Scotland right now. We hope that you'll join us. There's nothing to beat a recht good blether. And you could also join in our blethers on social media. You can find us as at Scottish Blethers on both Facebook and Instagram. We post additional content during the week that supports the podcast episode. We love making the podcasts and would love it if you could share them with your friends and leave a review on the platform of your choice. everybody and welcome to Scottish Blethers episode 64 and this is our very first episode in December. So that turned our minds to Christmas trees and my name is Helen Houston. And my name is Liz Lister. So Liz with Christmas trees you I can't believe we're at that time of year already. Well, what are your thoughts on Christmas trees? Well, as we record this, Helen, just this morning, I heard on the news, 1st of December, in the Rockefeller Centre in New York, they're just um, lighting their Christmas tree. And it just brought home many of the, the topics that we're going to be talking about because um, they don't do things by half in the Rockefeller Centre. And in 2020, there was complaints that their tree that they put up was scraggly. Now, I think in Scotland, we'd say it was scrawny or scraggy. It was scraggly and there were some complaints about it and it was said that it, it reflected the year that they had just had. So with the spirit of optimism, they've really rolled the boat out this year. The tree is 79 feet high. It's a Norway spruce. It's 85 years old. It comes from Elkton in Maryland. Now that's a 140 mile journey. So that's another topic that we'll, we'll touch on with uh, the environment being at the forefront of our thoughts. But what really got me is, you know, it's, it's a symbol, isn't it? The Christmas tree, it's a symbol of your hope for how the Christmas festivities are going to go. And they want theirs to go with a sparkle because at the top of the Rockefeller Centre Christmas tree is a three dimensional star with 70 spikes on it. And on those 70 spikes, they've got 3 million Swarovski crystals. Wow, that's some sparkle. Oh, my goodness, that <laughs> is sparkle. What about bling? My goodness. <laughs> that certainly has it. But it's it's this idea of trying to get it absolutely right. And I don't know about you, Helen, but in my family, oh my goodness, the Christmas tree, you've just got to get it absolutely right or my daughter is cancelling Christmas. So what do you go for? Are you a real or artificial person, so to speak? <laughs> Yeah, yes, exactly. Um, well, I grew up with real trees all the time, up until about probably 20 years ago, when we happened to be in Jenner's in Edinburgh at the time, and they had some absolutely stunning, very real looking artificial Christmas trees. So we decided to buy one. And that is, I still use that one. So it's been going for 20 years. So I don't feel too guilty about it. But it's absolutely beautiful. And it's 
it's not easy to get out and put up lids. It doesn't really help the effort, but it's it's there. Yeah, well, in our house, it's very definitely, as far as my daughter's concerned, it wouldn't be Christmas if it wasn't a real Christmas tree. And uh, before she went down south to work in London, it was a, an annual family event that we went out to pick the Christmas tree. And it has to be tall and it has to be bushy. No scraggly Christmas trees in this house, right? If it's scraggly, it has to go back and we have to get another one. It has to be bushy and full and it has to smell of Christmas. And I think I think I know that you know, all my families, my grandchildren, they go out to go and chop down the Christmas tree. There are so many places now that you can do that. And it's just a, a family event, a day out for the family, isn't it? Woolly hats and scarves and gloves and you know, father or somebody carrying the axe and just an exciting day going back to nature, if you like. It is, it is. It's really the start of the Christmas season. But if we're to believe the Christmas tree growers of Britain this year, it's going to be a hard year for finding your Christmas tree because there's likely to be exceptional demand. And there's a whole number of different reasons for that. And the usual culprits coming in, Brexit. You know, in the past, many of our Christmas trees haven't been imported, particularly from Denmark and Belgium. And of course, all the red tape that's going to be wrapping up your Christmas tree this year instead of Christmas lights are going to have an impact on how much you're going to pay for it but also climate change because we're just coming off the back of the biggest climate conference at COP26 and the idea of the climate and environmental issues are right at the forefront of people's thoughts. Yes and I think I think that people you know, as just as we're thinking we must eat locally you know, locally sourced food we're saying we don't want a lot of our stuff to come over lots of miles so to buy local and I've noticed a great upsurge of, of fields being planted with Christmas trees Liz. Yeah I mean traditionally we would have gone to our local forestry commission which there are scattered all you know for, uh, forestry being such an important economic issue in Scotland and we have little centres all over run by the forestry commissions where you can buy your trees so Blair Adam is the one that's closest to us and that was a usual trip for us rather than the garden centre you went to the forestry commission but there's as you say Helen lots of of private commercial interests that are springing up. But, But Liz what's the history why do we have a Christmas tree? Well, lots of reasons for that, Helen. I mean, if we go back, right back to pagan times, as they would say it, before Christianity, the Druids and such like, if you think about it, think of winter in Scotland, right? It's getting darker and darker. So it's dark in the mornings, it's dark in the night, the days are getting shorter and shorter. In those ancient times when they were looking to their pagan gods, they must have thought, is it going to get completely dark? Are the crops never going to grow again? We need sunshine. And so they would try to honour the gods of the sun and so they would bring in any green that was around at the time and of course those plants that are flowering at this time of year are mistletoe and ivy so they were important to pagan tradition but the other one was the evergreen fir tree and so going back in time people have brought this greenery into their home to celebrate the days that were going to come back again of sunshine and springtime. Yes, and I suppose to show that growth goes on, even though it's dark and dismal, things are still growing, so hope is there. Yep, and mistletoe, of course, the one of the traditions of Christmas, because this greenery represented fertility and new life. And so it was said that if you plucked, if you um, were underneath the mistletoe, you could steal a kiss. Well, we still do that, yeah. But in those days, you had to 
pick a white berry off the mistletoe every time you stole a kiss. And when you're when you're mistletoe was denuded of berries you had to stop kissing well i'm sure by that time you'd have chapped lips anyway oh i think so yes but of course coming right up into modern times it was actually prince albert queen victoria's husband who introduced the the tradition of christmas trees in people's houses in this country this was a a german tradition that had been going on in germany since about the 16th century and and he brought the idea into the United Kingdom. And we have to be very thankful to him for that. Yeah, most of the modern Christmas traditions that we've got come from Albert bringing them in from Germany and how they were celebrated in, in Europe. But it was really a drawing of the royal family, which was um, published in 1848 of the royals at Windsor standing around a Christmas tree with all the presents and the decorations and everything. This caught on and people thought, oh, well, if it's good enough for Victoria and Albert, it's good enough for us. And then it actually spread across the same picture, was the same illustration, was um, shown in a magazine in the States. But this time they shaved off Albert's moustache and <laughs> took away um, Victoria's tiara to make it look more American. <laughs> I think that's so clever. I think that's so funny that they did that. But but and of course, if when you look at that image, this idea of the the Christmas tree, the decorations, the presents—that's exactly the image we come down to on Christmas Day. So so the tree is really very important. So why have we got the, all these trees growing in Scotland now? We mentioned the difficulty of import perhaps this year, but what is it that makes Scotland a good place to grow trees? Well, we've actually got the ideal soil for it in parts of Scotland, particularly in this area that we live around Fife and Perth and Kinross in the central belt of Scotland, because not only is the soil light and fluffy so that it drains well, but about six feet down, we have a layer of rock. It's not a very thick soil, topsoil. And so that stops the roots penetrating down. And by stopping the roots penetrating down, it means the tree grows upwards. It doesn't put down great tap roots. And so you get the ideal Christmas trees. Yes, and, and also with this farming of trees, as we're seeing, we're seeing that it's not just a, oh, here comes December, we better get the chainsaw out and start cutting down these trees. They spend the year training and trimming and making sure that these trees grow to the shape that we want in our houses. And I, I didn't realise this, but this triangular shape is very important for the idea of Christmas, the Trinity, the, the three-pointed the shape of the Trinity is what, why we have this tree as well in the shape. You mentioned the shape being important to, to your family, Liz, that you know, if it's not right, you, don't, you go back and get another one. Yeah, I mean, that that triangular shape in the Trinity goes back to an English Benedictine monk called, now I never know how to pronounce his name, is he Boniface, Boniface or Boniface? Anyway, he was around in the 8th century when these pagans were out worshipping their false gods and they were um, carrying out a sacrifice in front of a mighty oak tree, which was said to be sacred to the god Thor, the god of thunder. And he seized the axe and chopped the tree down, which didn't go down well. But they thought that Thor would immediately come back and strike him dead with a bolt of thunder. But nothing happened. So good old Boniface, he took the opportunity to convert them to Christianity. And so that's why the um, triangular Christmas tree or the, the fir became a symbol of Christ. Yes, and ever the opportunist. It's got the bonny face of bonny face. <laughs> yeah, opportunism, yeah. 
But I, I've noticed nowadays, Liz, that there's this idea of being able to rent a tree. You can buy a tree in a pot and have it for Christmas. And then if you've no space to keep the potted tree, you can take it back to the farm or the nursery that you bought it from. Yeah, it's a case of a tree. It's not just for Christmas, it's for life. So you can have the tree growing up with the family. Yeah, so we have these Christmas tree farms growing up all over Scotland. And the reason is, when you think about it, if you've got a crop which um, you're harvesting in summer, spring or autumn, then you know you want something that you can bring money in during the winter. And this is ideal. So as you say, we've got lots of these spreading up and they're all coming up with their own ideas, like rent a tree. Others, it's very much about sustainability. So they claim that for every tree that they cut down, they'll plant another tree two trees somewhere. Some it's about going out and you said chopping down your own, they'll give you a saw and a pair of gloves and a mat to kneel on. But the, the rent a tree is really catching on. Yes. And if you're not renting a tree and handing it back, if you do buy um, one of these the real trees, many of the councils now arrange sort of into the beginning of January a collection of the trees, which they'll then take away chip and use as bark on various of the council parklands, etc. So there is a there's there's no waste with these trees. Yes, that brings us to the environmental issues, because the big argument for having a real tree over an artificial tree is, of course, if you just keep the artificial tree for a couple of years and then replace it by something else, that's not good for the environment. You have to be, as you are, um, very environmentally friendly and retain your artificial tree for a number of years. But if you just buy a Christmas tree and then fly tip it, you know, dump it somewhere or just put it on the, the skip, then that's not environmentally friendly either, particularly if your tree's coming from overseas. Yes, and oh, exactly. But also you've got the uh, these artificial ones. So they're not biodegradable, so they will just sit in the landfill forever. If they get. But this, other, this idea of... And I've noticed it springing up the past few years. You're driving through the countryside and you'll see a decorated Christmas tree. Now, I always thought it was somebody had just dumped their tree, but sometimes they're, they're done deliberately, Liz. And there's a good idea about using these decorated trees in the countryside. Again, thinking of the environment, putting food for the animals on it, for the birds. Yeah, this has been led by all these Instagram influencers and bloggers. You know, it's the dumb thing to take your picture with your wild tree. But of course, they're putting on all the tinsel and decor and glass baubles and all the rest of it and then forgetting about it. And uh, the glass baubles are bright, shiny. They attract the wild birds. And of course, there's no food there. So it's wasting energy at a time when they need it most. So you're really encouraged if you're going to do this wild treeing to, to make it natural, to put out food for the birds, make it yourself, berries, seeds, nuts, and take your picture pictures of it but then watch as the the birds get a Christmas feast at the same time as you are. And that not only for wild trees that would be a lovely way to do in your garden wouldn't it because you this time of year the birds are really struggling to find food and if you had a, your tree instead of putting lights all over it in the, in the front garden put put food for the birds on that would be lovely. Yeah, but even if you haven't got a garden, you could do it on a balcony or a window box, just something that brings a little festivity to your home. So the message that we're getting here is keep the transport miles down, buy your tree locally and make sure that it's, it's it comes from a local source. And at the end of it, make sure it's disposed of in an environmentally friendly way. You see what your, your local authority offers by way of collecting your trees so that it can be chipped or uh, make it into compost yourself, cut it up. 
Exactly, yes. And there are so many different types of trees that, that can be used as Christmas trees. What, what's your favourite? You know, I know you, you have the, the, the real tree, so what's your favourite tree? Well, in the past, ours favourite was always the Norway spruce, which is the one that everybody had it. And of course, part of the Christmas tradition that usually you were trying to maintain your Christmas tree so that at least saw Christmas Day before all the needles fell off it as you brought it into the heat of your home. So because of that, in modern times, it's like I'm ancient Methuselah here. But you in are, this, you years, are this. Yeah, I am. I am. Um, we've moved over to the Nordman fir, which has become the tree of choice, I think, across the United Kingdom today because it's it's got lovely soft needles. They, they're not prickly if you've got children or pets in the house. They try, they, it does keep them for much longer than the Norway spruce. And it's got a lovely colour and the, the traditional triangular shape to it. So it's the perfect tree for bringing into the home. I'm, I'm smiling, Liz, because I'm just thinking back to the, the days of the real tree when by sort of if it held its needles to Christmas Day, that was that was brilliant. And then every time anybody brushed past it, another shower of needles would come. So by the 12th night, by the beginning of January, you'd be you'd be sitting there with a beautifully decorated um tree with absolutely no greenery at all just completely brown <laughs> good for the birds now, I was talking yeah. earlier about it being an important family experience I mean the worst year that we have ever had my daughter was about six or seven and I had bought a Christmas tree and it didn't live up to expectations it was scraggly but down at the school they had this beautiful Christmas tree, which was so bushy, the bushiest tree I have ever seen. And as the school was um, breaking up for the school holidays, I was chatting to the, the Janny, you know her well, Auntie Betty was the Janny in the local school. And she said, well, why don't you take our tree? Because it's just going to waste, it'll get ch chucked out. So I dismantled our tree, took it out, went down, collected the tree in my car, brought it up, but couldn't get it into the house. Meanwhile, my daughter had gone swimming. Her wee pal had gone, launched off in the opposite direction, got this huge scratch, which looked like a massive scar down her face, where her nails had just gone up Jenny's face. So she's sitting there as he comes home with this scar on her face. My husband comes in after a bad day at the office. The students had vandalised the toilets. He oh, sees dear. this tree sitting in the car and he just flared up like a first bush that we were talking about so it was not a good start to Christmas I remember it well yeah. but don't you find that 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 was always the way it was always very difficult to judge how big a tree your house would take because in the outside with the sky as your ceiling trees look small and then you bring them home and you realize actually my ceiling is only what are they what are they twelve feet of that eight eight feet high, and you think this is not going to go in. So how many people have either chopped off the top, chopped off the bottom of their trees <laughs> to make them fit? And get them through the door as well, trying to squeeze them. But now, nowadays you're really cheated because I noticed that even at the at the Forestry Commission, it's no longer forestry, it's land and forest or forest and land yeah. or something like that. And when you go to get them now, they're already netted. It's um, your biodegradable netting that they have them in, all ecologically friendly. But um, you can't really tell what you're buying. And that that's a big disappointment for me. You know, you'd have to just sort of go by the weight and how, how full it looks. But it's kind of cheating. You don't know what you're getting. But I think sometimes if you go to these, if 
you know, if you if it's not busy at these Christmas tree farms and you choose your own tree, they have the machine and they just net it for you there and then for you to get home, which is which is great. But oh, Liz, do you ever remember going to Jenner's, you know, where we bought our artificial tree? But Jenner's always had the most unbelievable Christmas tree. Jenner's is a shop in Edinburgh which was built as a shop, so it's built with a you know, galleries all round and the centre bit there's is goes from the ground right up to the roof, which is about I think it's four stories high or more with an atrium. And the tree filled that space. It was just as a child, just magic to look at. Magic, yeah. Yeah, and it's no ordinary shop, Helen, it's a department store. It's the Harrods of Scotland. Yes, alas, no longer. That's true. Yep, that's true. But you're talking about um, changing trends. Nowadays, of course, if you're buying a real tree, you can become very exotic. You can go for the noble fir, which is tall and slender and it's got a kind of grey-green foliage, which is very attractive. You can go for a balsam fir, which is coming from North America. But the ones that I think are becoming really popular, the white fir, abs con colour, which is white in colour and native to North America, but they're coming in. Harrods and um, no doubt if Jenner's was still was producing giving Christmas trees, it might be thinking about it. And the other one that I've noticed quite a wee bit is the Korean fir, where it's a very luscious green. But the thing about it, it has its cones on the branches. They are sticking onto the branches, so you've got ready-made decorations as you put your Korean fir up. Well, my my artificial tree has cones on the branches. Yeah, the one I've had for twenty plus years. There you go. You see trendsetter again. But do you find too that this, and I wonder if this is why the white fur has become is becoming popular. People are going for what I call designer Christmas trees. That they decide that what their color scheme for Christmas is going to be, and they will do all their decorations. Their Christmas tree and decorations will all be themed to a, a colour and it's not red or green which is our normal Christmas colours but purples or blues or silvers or something like that. Yeah yeah and of course the danger with that is that they chuck it away to change the trend next year. I've even seen ones that hang upside down which I think is really pushing it <laughs> out a little bit. Of course everybody's coming up with these new ideas but I think the message is keep it local like Food Miles and dispose of it at the end or Get a pot-grown tree or rent your tree. Yes. That's the environmentally friendly message. I like the idea of the pot-grown. But there's also there's some very clever ideas coming up coming up around Scotland and, and with some of these, what I would call the, the kunsel trees, the trees that are up to for the benefit of the communities. You know, you've got the tree in Edinburgh, which is was always gifted by Norway because of the part Edinburgh and surrounds played for Norway during World War II, but they've now stopped importing the tree into Scotland. They are now funding a tree that is locally grown for the Edinburgh tree. Yes, so nowadays, rather than coming all the way from Hordaland, one of the, the provinces in Norway, it now comes from local. It, it's a, it, for some years, it came from the Duke of Buccleuch's estate in the borders, and this year, um, it's come from just outside Glasgow, I think, that they've brought it from this year. But it's always a Norwegian 
spruce. And this goes back to the time that during World War II, when the Norwegian government were in exile, they came and set up the government in England. So Trafalgar Square is famous for its Christmas tree, which is donated by Norway. But the the Scots played a big part. The Norwegian Brigade was based in Scotland with 7,000 exiled Norwegians based here. So they've never forgotten, particularly up in the, the, the north, up in Orkney. So it's not just Edinburgh that gets its Christmas tree from Norway. Aberdeen and Orkney at Kirkwall, the capital of Orkney, they both get trees donated by the Norwegians in, in gratitude for what we did during World War II. Yes, because I think their their fleet was based on the the Firth of Forth uh, during World War Two, and what is now the town hall where you can get married, the registry office, was their headquarters in Scotland. Yeah, it's good to see the ties between the two countries because it symbolises the spirit of Christmas, the spirit of community and coming together, which is uh, the focus as this erecting and decorating a Christmas tree. Yes, and, and you, 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 you mentioned right at the very beginning that it was such a family occasion for you, Liz, the, the, buy, the choosing, the buying, the decorating of the tree. And for communities, that is the thing. And the, the lighting of the Christmas tree, the, the turning on of the lights is a huge occasion in all towns. Yeah, nowadays, I mean, the, the Christmas tree in Edinburgh used to be on George Street. Nowadays, they have it up on the mound in Edinburgh, where it sits overlooking the Christmas market and all the celebrations that go on as Edinburgh sparkles with its Christmas festival. But you were talking about Jenner's in Edinburgh, Helen, my favourite. I just think absolutely is the symbol of Christmas is the Christmas tree in the Dome, which is one of the restaurants on George Street. Do you go to the Dome at Christmas? I haven't been, Liz, but you know, I know that it is absolutely stunning. And of course, even the approach, the pillars and all the lights on the pillars outside the dome are just stunning. But it was it was a bank. So like Jenner's, it has this circular area with a cupola at the top. So the, the tree sits behind the bar and it is amazing. It goes right up into this domed roof. And as you walk through the door, you get the smell of Christmas and people are happy having a drink, going in for a meal. And of course, this year, there was great controversy because they started to put up the, the decorations at the dome at the end of October. And people are saying, oh, no, you know, October for Christmas. But I think it was just trying to, to bring Christmas early after the gloomy year that we've had. Well, I received my first Christmas card through the post yesterday. Me too. Liz. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> Can't believe it. <laughs> yeah, and Aberdeen, we said that it gets its Christmas tree from from its twin city, Stavanger. So uh, it's interesting when they light the Christmas um, lights in Aberdeen, the children's orchestra, big noise. Now, I don't know if you know about this. Oh, from St- from Stirling. Mm-hmm. There's one in Stirling in the Raploch. This one's from Torrey in Aberdeen. And it's using music in areas of deprivation to enthuse children, give them confidence, give them skills. And these orchestras are phenomenal. Well, the Torrey Big Noise is part of the celebrations in Aberdeen. Oh, that's great because I always remember Alexander McCall Smith. Now, some of our listeners might be part of Guide Collective Book Club, but we did one of Alexander McCall Smith's books. But one of his books is called The Orchestra, and he invited the big noise from Sterling, the Ratloch, to launch his book. So they're getting, they're getting these little orchestras are getting big publicity. 
Yeah. And it's nice to see that some of the, the, the towns and cities are making the most of the Christmas tree celebrations for charity and um, light up a life. You know, a lot of the hospices, a lot of the homeless charities, social enterprises are using it as a way of getting people to reflect that, you know, yes, it's a time of coming together, a time of festivities and happiness. But don't think on, think of others and, and spread the joy a little bit and contribute to these charities. And of course, you know, with all these hopes and expectations, the Christmas trees around Scotland are not without their controversy. Oh, no, there's some lovely stories, aren't there, about some that have really, really just gone into the hearts of the people round about and others who have not quite made that journey to the hearts. What the one at Kelty, Liz, you've got a lovely story about Kelty and Lumfinnan's tree. Well, Kelty is the neighbouring village to us and, you know, the Scots humour, you know, that they will not tolerate a scraggy tree. They want something to come together. And the people of Kelty noticed that this tree had been stuck up in the middle of the, the town of Kelty and they took to social media and they did not hold back. I mean, they were, the first comment was that Kelty must be on the naughty list to get a tree like this. They complained with one resident saying that he'd seen bigger things grown on a lump of cheese. <laughs> and another one saying, it's an insult to call that a tree. It's more like a twig, <laughs> a fence post, <laughs> a fence post. Could be more could be more festive. Yeah, it's absolutely rancid. <laughs> and to to crown it all, literally, there was no angel or star on the top of this one. Instead somebody'd put a broken blue and yellow traffic cone. So <laughs> they were not happy and the council had to back down. But poor poor Glasgow, they had to cancel their Christmas market this year and they you they got somewhere for their tree because they were thought COP26 might have spilled over a little bit. Yeah, but they got their tree, they got a beautiful tree, but somebody did a Freedom of Information request as to how much had been spent, £13,000 on one single Christmas tree. And so one of the councillors was um, was forced to say, is it made of gold? Yes, I just think it's, it's, quite, it's quite amusing because as you say, Scots will not hold back. But there's also some different ways of making Christmas trees. What about the one made made out of the creoles on, in Ullapool? Yeah, that's really caught the imagination. Um, it started in 2016 and uh, Ullapool is up on the west coast. It's a fishing town, a fishing heritage. But it's also where the ferry comes into from the Western Isles going across to Stornoway. And so as the ferry comes in nowadays... The passengers on board see this magnificent tree made out of over 300 creels, all illuminated from within. Absolutely beautiful. Oh, yeah, that that's some sight. And that, that idea has grown, especially out to the Western Isles, where there are very few trees. Yeah. So they're just using what they have to make a Christmas tree. And again, this triangular trinity shape. Yeah, and of course the Western Isles, known for their winds and storms and gales, so trees wouldn't last long. So the, the creel tree has the benefit that the creels are really heavy and weighted down. So Leverborough on the Isle of Harris has copied the idea and they have a creel tree as well. And that has spread to people developing their own trees in their gardens and whatever, where they're using anything that's round about, like using the fishing boys, the boys that are the markers, using them as decorations. Um, so it's really inspiring people's creativity. And I'm talking of creativity, I'm absolutely in awe of the people who have put up 
knitted Christmas trees. Your Castle Bay and Barra, you're made up of 600 knitted and woven square stitched together. I just think that is a fantastic thing to do. I remember seeing an image of, during Remembrance Day, some town that had done a knitted soldier standing in the bow with his head bowed for Remembrance Day. But these knitted Christmas trees or crocheted Christmas trees, absolutely fantastic. I'm going to assume that they start off with a wire frame of the shape and then they stitch these things onto it. I don't think it'll be stuffed with anything that they can find, unless leaves, maybe. Who knows? I have no, no idea, but the creativity is unbounded. And of course, this is making fantastic memories for young children because they've been deprived for two years of these Christmas celebrations. And thinking back to my own childhood, the vivid memory for me was going to Central Station in Glasgow. I would go to a pantomime and we're going to be coming on to that in next week's episode when we look at Scottish Christmas traditions. But we'd go to the pantomime and I would be taken into Central Station and I would wait in a long queue at the foot of this magnificent, to my standards at that time Christmas tree and round the base of it was a toy train going round in a track and if you put your penny in the box the train went round a lap and it was just Christmas. It is. I think these are the things. We've all got things, as I say, we'll do traditions later on but I think one of the traditions that's kind of sprung up is this magnificent almost tree parade at Dalton on Deeside where they have all these you know I think I don't know how many trees there are, just uh, 43 trees inside the church and seven outside decorated. That must just be, you know, like walking into a, a, a magical or a very different uh, kingdom. Just fantastic. And of course, a lot of them environmentally friendly, made out of bottles. Again, the creativity of people. Lots of, of towns and villages have it, particularly in the churches. They have these Christmas tree exhibitions. They're wonderful. I remember one year I went into Kouris Abbey and they had it in Kouris. So it's all coming back. You know, that these, these um, things that we took for granted in the past are now coming back again. Word of the week, Helen. Well, I've got one that... <laughs> You know, it's funny and it'll it'll make sense in a little minute or two, but we have an expression where you know, if you something that makes you sick or makes you feel nauseous is usually something a little bit that you're not approving of. You say oh, it gives you the book. It gives you the book, makes you feel nauseous. So there are some things about Christmas that give you the book. <laughs> yeah, the Christmas trees in Celtic yeah. were one thing. There was enough to give the, the residents the book there. But it was just because there's a little a little Christmas poem, which is not very reverent. It was written by Francis Dunlop in 1993, but it's the ode to the Christmas fairy. Just think of it, when you're putting up your Christmas tree and you're putting the Christmas fairy at the top as the last bit to set off your Christmas tree, just think of this little poem. I'm just going to give you a few lines from it. I am a little fairy. On top of the Christmas tree, it's no a job I fancy. Well, how would you like to be me? Or tarted up with tinsel, it's enough to make you bulk. And a couple of jaggy branches rammed up the back of your frock. <laughs> the Christmas tree's a bonny sicht as the firelight softly flickers. But think o' me, I'm stuck up here with needles in my knickers. Oh, well done, Liz. That's very good. And I think we could all visualise that poor little fairy on top of the tree. So, well, Liz, we'll call it a day there. And thank you very much for Christmas trees and your wee poem at the end.
<laughs> enjoy your festivities. See you next week. See you next time. Bye. And there we have it, the end of another episode of Scottish Blethers. If you'd like to join us on social media, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram as at Scottish Blethers. And if you'd like to leave a review, please do so on your podcast platform of choice. It's cheery bye from me. Ta-ta the moo from me. And if I don't see you through the week, I'll see you through the windy from me. Bye. See ya. Bye.